Welcome, aftermarket pros, to For the Record. Now, listen to a slice of wisdom, a concept, a sentiment, and maybe even a rant from one of your industry colleagues. For the Record. Hey, welcome to For the Record, episode 69. In just a minute, Matt Fonslow will talk about a subject you don't want to hear about. Hey, Carm Capriato, the aftermarket podcast guy here from Remarkable Results Radio, wanting to know if you are still using paper inspections at your shop. Well, you know, there's a better way. A process built from the ground up to conform to how your shop's system works rather than the square peg in the round hole workarounds that you find with other DVI platforms. FlexCheck Auto was developed by a master technician and shop owner to meet your needs. This fully customizable platform helps you implement your processes faster and more efficiently. FlexCheck Auto's DVI speeds up your inspection process, so experienced techs can quickly perform inspections, and entry-level techs are efficiently guided through your customized inspections. Get started today with a free 30-day trial at FlexCheckAuto.com. Hey, never forget that this is the original aftermarket podcast with over 600 influential episodes that allow you to be the fly on the wall as you hear your industry colleagues discuss all things automotive that will help your business and you as a person. I'm so proud of the hundreds and hundreds of essential aftermarket professionals who have paid it forward for your benefit. Be sure to subscribe to a podcast listening app. I'm on all of them. Hey, you've heard my friend Matt Fonslow before on the podcast. Now, Matt has so many amazing things to say that I welcome his deep think anytime I can get him on. He's never boring and always makes you think. Hey, the views and opinions expressed are those of my guest and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the author, sponsors, associates, affiliates of LSTN Media, LLC. Now, listen to Matt's view of dieting and exercise. He lost weight and knows how important it is to the type of work he does as a diagnostician. No doubt the body is heavily used in the bays and you need to take care of it. Here's a very important caveat. Matthew is not a doctor nor pretends to be one or is qualified to offer any advice. This is just a very casual conversation about how he views his health and what can be done to improve energy levels and understand how the body works. He's been well-read on this subject and he shares his points of view for you. I also enjoyed this talk with Matt and I know you will too. Hey, this is Matt Fonzel with Remarkable Results Radio doing a for the record, and I've invited Carm to be my guest. Oh, how cool. Thank you, man. Anytime. I figure you got to flip it once in a while. I've been your guest so many times. Uh... <laughs> I can be yours. Okay, great. <laughs> well, here I am running the controls, so hmm, I may You're in charge, yeah. <laughs> as usual. So what's on your mind, man? I listened to one of your interviews, and it was talking about uh, fitness and staying healthy, but it really focused a lot on the uh, fitness aspect and getting a gym membership or having a physical trainer and working out, walking, running, whatever that may be, get active. Uh, Aimed at shop owners and deservedly so, I felt like maybe something was a little missing with diet. Diet wasn't really touched on heavily. No, we didn't talk at, uh, at all about what you eat. Right. And at least from a weight loss perspective, Diet might actually be more important than physical activity. And I'm not trying to say, go back to being a couch potato, because there's definitely very, very, very good reasons uh, to be active and to work out. Now, wait a minute, Matt. If if you're a casual exerciser, maybe you have a treadmill at home or you you know, you know out and walk the dog at, ni- dog at night. So after you're walking the dog and it's a beautiful summer night, don't you say, hey, hon, let's go get a banana split because I just walked. 
Yeah, that's one of the reasons. The other reason is just simple, um, you know, physics, honestly, because really everything goes back to physics, that it is much, much easier to put 500 calories or 1,000 calories in your body than it is to burn it off. Sure. That's why I felt kind of important to just touch a little bit on diet. And it's a really dangerous subject, especially in maybe in a for-the-record interview type that the time constraint because it is really a deep subject. And also, you think auto repair has a lot of myths, mythology and a lot of inaccurate information? Let me tell you something. I bet your diet does too. Well, you know, first of all, I'm not, a, I'm not even qualified to be here and talk about diet, not even close. And, and I'm not sure you have any creds either. I have no cred. All right. Zero. So, so this is kind of like armchair quarterbacking diet stuff, right? Yeah. My, the only creds I have is I've now probably broken the 200 barrier reading medical journals, articles, uh, because for my own purposes. You're a deep thinker, Matt. I'm not surprised that we would be talking about this. That and I get bored easily, I think. You know, maybe five, six years ago, uh, I had weighed about 270, 275 pounds. No kidding. Yeah. Um, you can probably find pictures of me on the internet. And then I went on the divorce diet. Ah, uh, was that stress? The stress that got rid of all that? Yeah, I think it really messed. Well, okay. Not to go into too much detail, but for about two weeks, I didn't eat because I couldn't eat. And then a week after that, every time I ate, it came back up. And I had already noticed my, my work pants didn't fit anymore. Like there was a big change. People were worried about my health for good reason. And I decided to use that as a springboard. And I really started watching what I ate and really portion controls, heavy. And uh, I, I got down to... I think my lowest was maybe 205, 207. Uh, and then I kind of hovered around that and 215 for a couple of years. And then I got into another long-term relationship and it just started creeping up. And I finally hit 235 and just warning alarms started going off. Like, dude, you're going back. You know, you said you didn't want to go back. You're going back. What's going on? And Did you not have the right energy level? Did you, did you feel the, the, the loss of energy? No, not really. I, but I felt it in like my knees. I could tell, you know, you have so many get ups a day and mine had dropped drastically. Uh, so I needed to get my get ups uh, again, you know, getting up off the ground, off the floor. Uh, it's a tough job. Uh, automotive technician, diagnostician, tough, tough job. Yeah. So I started reading a lot into this and I have friends who uh, have had traumatic uh, health issues, heart attacks, stuff like that. And they, uh, went a certain direction with like the ketogenic diet. And I read into that and I looked into low carb. I looked into high carb, low fat, and it just led to just reading journal after journal and paper after paper. And what I've kind of learned, I think, is uh, our bodies can be jerks. And I'm going to kind of contradict myself here because on one hand, our bodies are just amazing, amazing biological specimens. They really are. And on the other hand, they're really jerks. Our bodies uh, are kind of mean to us when it comes to storage of fat and that very important feature of it to store fat when it can. It likes to do that. It likes to. It really likes to. Uh, so what I found is trying to find hard evidence is next to impossible. When reading papers, typically you would want to look at something called a randomized clinical trial. Those are usually like the gold standard of studies. Unfortunately, when it comes to human diet, uh, 
they're very poorly regulated for many reasons, low participation counts, or they don't necessarily regulate the people in them other than uh, maybe a small portion. So maybe they'll do, maybe they do get a hundred people and they'll say, Hey, increase your intake of white meat, red meat, fish, whatever, for this period of time, but they don't regulate anything else. So the results they get don't necessarily reflect everything that they make as a statement or a summary of the study. So, you know, people that eat a certain way, they might be taking in a lot of, we'll just pick on sugar, raw refined sugar. Well, they're going to be unhealthy regardless. And the study may state that, hey, with an increase of red meat, they witnessed a higher um, repercussion rate of cardiovascular or something yeah. of that nature. And it's not, it's not a good assessment of that. You know, you're going pretty heavy on me here with all these Sorry. studies and stuff, but I will tell you this. We get a, a publication uh, in our newspaper. It's called Refresh, and it's always got stories about diet and health in it. It's really a great... Um, a great piece every every week. Uh, I love to read the articles that say red wine's good for you because Absolutely. I drink red wine. And I'm sure the meat eaters love to hear the stories about, hey, uh, eating steak's okay. And I think what you're saying is we have enough studies that lend themselves to us not doing anything because it's okay to drink coffee, 10, 10 cups yeah. a day. It's okay. Some people say it's... I, I hear your point. So yeah. don't we have to learn what our bodies really assimilate and then kind of stick to it? You learn that that, and then unfortunately also with the studies is you have to sometimes look at who funds them. <laughs> right. Maybe a jab at society, but we kind of value, um, or I should say maybe a better, a safer statement will be that we undervalue accuracy. That, you know, accuracy trumps everything. And sometimes that's not the case. And uh, study results will be tweaked or even withheld because of who's financing the study uh, because scientists are paid by results, almost almost like flat rate. What I think it comes down to, I guess I, I mentioned uh, clinical trials, randomized clinical trials. Uh, we're finding that we're leaning heavier, more heavily on uh, meta-analysis that look at a broad spectrum of things and you know, some generalizations can be made uh, that are a little more accurate there. But what I've found uh, through all this is what seems to be three fairly solid things. One is insulin, leptin, and uh, something they call uh, H HSL, which is hormone-sensitive lipase. Those are three uh, things going on in our body that seem to do, deal directly with weight. And most people have heard of insulin. If you have diabetes, you're probably injecting it into you. Uh, but we probably really haven't heard about leptin. And we haven't really heard about HSLs. It's brand new and, to me. Yeah, right? Yeah. We never. This isn't taught in health class that I know of. So what's this got to do with the Mediterranean diet my doctor wants me to be on? The reality is that it probably promotes an increased level of leptins, which uh, is kind of the signal to your brain that you're full, that you're, that you're satiated. It also raises the uh, HSL, the hormone-sensitive lipase, which is kind of the one of those uh, hormones that triggers your body to use stored fat as energy. Perfect. Yes. So, you know, I'm, I'm not jabbing at anybody because I was there. 
but we have Americans have with on the standard American diet, we have a lot of people walking around who feel like they're starving to death. They're hungry. Their, their brain is screaming at them, eat, eat, I'm out of energy. Yet they're encased in a lot of energy in, in the form of fat. And they can't access that energy. Their body won't. Yeah, won't let them. Right. They, just, they, something has to change. It won't let them. I mean, when you get that, 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 that sugar low, you know, in the middle of the afternoon, yes. you got to go for a Snickers. Uh, it has nothing to do with the fact that you've got, like you say, all the energy sitting there. You just got to, you're piling it on because your brain is telling you, uh, I need a Snickers. Right. And the, and your insulin level is probably one of the big culprits here. It's not your brain, man. It's, it's a craving. And, and is that what, is that what HSLs are? Cravings? No, HSL is kind of what allows you to access that energy oh, that, okay, as, okay. from fat energy. Yeah. All right. Okay. Are we talking doctor stuff here? God, I don't know. I hate to, I hate to put myself in that league. We're, we're laymen as a, about as high as we're going to get. And you're I think. doing such a fabulous job with this thing, but I've got to stop and say: Have you looked around? Have you been out in an airport lately? Have you just gone to the mall? I've never ever seen so many ads for diet systems and programs yep. and diet workshops ever in my life, and it seems that no one around me that I see are listening. Not listening or they go on it for a while. And some of the diets are so restrictive, they're very difficult to maintain. Uh, so to kind of finish up, insulin, and, and I don't want to sound like I am singling out anything, yeah. but insulin is kind of a bad guy. We need it, absolutely. But we don't need nearly as much as most of us have pumping through our systems. We become uh, sensitive to it uh, or resistant. I'm better as we're resistant. Insulin lowers and blocks the brain's ability to interpret the leptin. So that's why you're feeling hungry all the time. Your brain's not telling you that you're not satiated. You need more. It also blocks the ability of the HSLs to access your fat for energy. Most of the people on a standard American diet, the SAD, have increased levels of insulin, lower levels of leptins, lower levels of HSLs, and that's why they're encased in this. It's a lot of energy, you know, that's what it is. We yeah. store yeah. energy as fat and uh, and it can't access it. So the, what the Mediterranean diet does, uh, what I think the ketogenic diet does, what uh, low-carb diets do is they start to turn that on its tail. Most of these, if you look at them, very, very low refined carbura- uh, carbohydrates. <laughs> can tell an auto carburetors, guy. Carburetors, refined carburetors. Right? I'm talking about diet and he's throwing out carburetors. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got to stop you for a moment and just remind everyone, Matt's not a doctor. He's just done a lot of reading on this and he struggles with his own weight. And so he's bringing to us in this for the record uh, how he looks at uh, the problem he has for either losing or gaining weight. I mean, yeah, yeah both yeah. ways, right? Yeah, and then just overall health because you're going to find that uh, a good diet and exercise exercise is very important that i i can't stress that enough okay. uh, even just activity that um the diet is now showing that it has a lot more to do with mental health than they originally thought and that's bringing in something you know i'm jumping ahead maybe uh the uh, gut microbiome gets involved and your gut bacteria 
and man, you're doing too much reading. You 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 know you're not working long enough hours. You're, that's maybe a problem. Oh my God, I had no idea we were going this far. But go ahead. I'm sorry. And and what it's been called uh, in some publications the second brain, the gut microbiome, and the way it communicates with your brain. Uh, and the standard American diet is actually pretty good at killing off the quote unquote good bacteria in your gut. So uh, a good diet not only helps you physically. Uh, with weight, uh, you know, and then weight, blood pressure, you know, this all ends up being, you know, related. Uh, and your mental health, uh, they're showing a lot of people can solve a lot of depression type issues, a lot of uh, anxiety issues by just changing their diets. Uh, and really where this all ends up going is that these diets, the, the good ones, the ones that are standing the test of time, uh, virtually eliminate uh, refined carbohydrates and refined sugar. That's where all this is kind of heading. Now, people that are on the ketogenic diet and are, you know, w- would beat the drum of that will argue with me about the carbohydrates. Just you don't need them at all. So your body has the ability to use two sources of energy. Honestly, one is glucose, which is carbohydrates, and that's what most of us are on. You know, you could argue longevity is fine because uh, Japanese Okinawans are typically on a higher carbohydrate diet and they have the longest lifespans on the planet. But they eat very little, very, very little refined carbohydrates. And they have they eat other things, right? They have a lot of fish. They also uh, have typically a, a very diverse meal with small portion sizes. But then we could go to the other end of the spectrum and you have the Inuit Indians who also have never heard of cardiovascular issues and good lifespans, they don't eat any carbs. It's almost 100%. I don't want to say 100%, but it's a very, very, very high percentage of fat, fat and protein. They're fine. So really what I'm, I kind of boil this all down to is a really good start. And maybe, maybe the end all be all will be try to, as best you can, eliminate as much or all of the refined carbohydrates you take in. Now, refined carbohydrates would be my Snickers bar, right? It definitely. And definitely refined sugar. The way the body processes that, it... It just stores it. Yeah, it spikes your insulin, and then you have the repercussions of the leptins dropping, the HSLs dropping, your body goes into... It burns what it needs right away, and it stores the rest. And you just start building fat, and so what you're saying is if you're going to stay on a diet like that, you better get enough exercise that if you're going to take in 2000 calories a day, you better be burning 3000 on an exercise routine. Yeah. And, you know, it just you're not getting any of the macronutrients and stuff like that. You're not getting any kind of the uh, resistant starches that would feed your uh, gut microbiome. Mm. Uh, and don't get me wrong, like there's growing studies now on the carnivore diet where people are eating pretty much 100 percent meat. Yeah. And how the body processes are affected where certain things you just don't need because you're not using that to access that energy. You know, let me let me ask you a question because I've, I've heard uh, stories you've, you've read that you've got to take in some carbs because your brain needs carbs. Is that true? That is actually not true. Oh. Um, your brain does use now again. You're not a you're not a doctor. You've just read about this stuff, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm way not an authority. But you're sharing this because you know that you know that the people in our industry need some help with their, with their diet. So thanks, thanks for being on. Keep keep going. Yeah. I, I'm interested to hear this thing about the carbs in the brain. Well, your body, our bodies, back to the amazing portion 
uh, can access energy or really burn two different things for energy or use two different things for energy. Carbohydrates or glucose, honestly, or ketones. And ketones, now, right, does that trigger um, a name? Ketogenic, yep. ketosis. So what happens is, is if you stop taking in carbs, uh, you may go through something called the ketogenic flu where you're feeling very lethargic, very weak, tired, but your body's converting over from glucose primarily to ketones. So your liver will process this fat mainly. That's where you're going to be. And on a ketogenic diet, you're going to get most of your uh, calories from fat, turns them into ketones, and then you can burn those. Uh, and then when you run out of those, you're, you know, if you have some fat on you and you keep your, and your, your insulin levels are going to be low anyways if you're following that diet plan. It's going to attack that and use your stores uh, for energy. The other thing, like there's certain systems in your body that need glucose. Uh, it's going to go through some, your body will do something called um, glucose neogenesis. Yeah. And it will create the glucose it needs to do what it needs to do. I, uh, I went on the low carb about 10 years ago and I went through that, uh, that phase. I think it took a couple of weeks of eating what, I don't know, less than, I don't know, 20 grams right. of carbs a day for a while. I ended up feeling great. I lost some weight, uh, you know, and, and I had more energy than ever. And, um, I don't know, <laughs> springboard, you know, just, but anyway, I don't think my weight is as bad as it should be. I'd love to lose another 10 or 15 pounds and, and I know how to do it. Matt, and it's just it's it's the strength of discipline to do it, and it's going out with friends, and it's doing all these fun things, and you know, oh God, let's eat some comfort food. Oh, geez, sure, let's do that. So, so, let me ask you a question. You're, you're so knowledgeable, you know all this stuff. Why did you commit to learning all of this? Because uh, I wanted to get back down a ways off of the uh, two thirty-five. Where are you now? Uh, this morning I was at two eighteen. Okay. And I started a month and a half ago. But you're doing it nice and slow. Yeah. And some people would argue that that's fairly rapid. You know, that's over a pound a week. That's pushing, really pushing two pounds a week or more. And so that it's a fairly good clip. I think I noticed right away, not right away, but within a, a week or two, pants were fitting better just because like bloating. And, um, you know, I'm sure I lost water weight, but I've also been taking in a lot of water. I... Uh, stop drinking soda altogether. I can't find many studies to back this up, but there's certain suspicions that artificial sweeteners artificially, or they do spike your insulin levels, even though you're not actually taking in the sugar. And they're really trying to figure out, is it the artificial sweetener or sweet foods in general will cause your body do like a preemptive strike of, or preemptive spike, honestly, of your insulin levels. But you were mentioning like low carbs, that's why I brought up like the Okinawans, the Japanese, that they... Um, it's more balanced, I bet, than anything, right? It's balanced? It's balanced, but it's again, it's not... Your body reacts to and processes refined carbohydrates much, much different than a carb from a vegetable. Yeah, that's right. Isn't that called a complex carb, though? You know, like yes. With the sweetener yes. and like a peach or something like that, you know, the natural... Yeah. Years ago, they were they would call simple carbs or simple carbohydrate would be like the refined carbohydrate, and then the carbohydrates you would get from a, like a vegetable or a, a, something in its full source, you know, its natural source. That would be the complex, and that was a, a complex mo uh, molecule chain. 
and your body has to work harder to access it. And the fiber kind of slows down the absorption rate. And then that fiber, along with uh, resistant starch, feeds the gut microbiome. And it's a lot of good things start happening. Well, we have an automotive aftermarket podcast here. We're talking about Brainiac diet stuff, courtesy of Matt Fonslow. And thanks for being here. Anytime. Next question. How much does hereditary have to do with uh, how you gain and lose weight? Uh, honestly, they're finding very, very little. No kidding. Very, yes. Hmm. Um, you're probably more programmed by, I think I've said this before in other interviews, uh, stuff we've done together where you're just, you run programs. People run programs. And one of those is what you eat, how you eat. And what you find tasteful or, or, or very flavorful in a good way might differ from me. And a lot of that has to do with environment. So I grew up, you know, Swedish, Norwegian family. So lutefisk, I'll eat that. I like it. You know, am I going to travel a long ways away and I crave it? No, but I'll eat it. Most people find it repulsive. What is it? What is it? It's, uh, I think it's cod fillets stored in lye. Whoa. Yes. So it, when you see it on the plate, it doesn't really look much like a fillet. It almost looks like a clear gelatinous mass. Ah, uh, that and lye does a wonderful thing to fish. It does. It preserves it, but it robs a lot of uh, features of the fish. Um, or, oh. you know, pickled herring. You eat a lot of that. Let, let's bring this back to the automotive sure. aftermarket. How do we, working in the bays under the pressure that we have at every position in the industry, eat right? Well, uh, in our shop, we've kind of curbed the uh, donut run into a uh, fruits and vegetables run. I love it. Uh, And don't get me wrong. Who's bringing the bag of carrots today? (laughs) Yeah, right. We don't get me wrong. You know, usually once a month you have the splurge day. And and I think anybody that's doing any kind of a diet kind of needs to have a goal set the reward. And then you have that day where you just go bonkers. And I, I, I think I was going to bring that up earlier. You kind of said something about that. Like you, let's have some comfort food. Yeah. Well, I think you should designate a day and maybe when you're just starting out, it's after one week and then, you know, you go a month or two every other week and then you go a few more months and then maybe once a month, that day is just do whatever you want eat as much as you want, eat whatever you want, just splurge. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to find over time you just can't eat that much no, anymore. You no, you, you don't or even you, enjoy splurging anymore. I, I right. get it. Yeah, I remember that. Um, but it also ter- seems to be, uh, and I think this is backed up fairly well, that the human body is really, really good about dealing with big caloric rushes intermittently. You, It's almost like hunter-gatherer type stuff where, oh, you found the mother load of you know, something that was very high in calories, whatever that may be. And you splurge, right? You eat until you just can't get any more in, but you don't really notice the repercussions. One of the studies was they had a group of people that went, I think, I think it was two weeks, very, no refined sugars, no treats, but once every two weeks, they get to have as much of whatever they wanted. And I think they picked Oreo cookies. I think that was what it was. And they could eat as many as they want. And they had zero changes in weight, zero changes in um, blood glucose levels, insulin levels. Um, They probably did after they ate, but throughout the study, no change. Uh, Then they had the other group could have a small amount, like one or two Oreos a day. And they 
gained weight. They had high insulin levels. They had high glucose levels. So it it seems that the body is pretty good at the intermittent um, surges in calories that it can kind of handle that. Got it. So if you're throwing something that's not good for the body at it every day, it just says, okay, I'll start over here. Okay, I'll start over here. But but when you're when you're doing something naturally healthy, whatever that means, and I'm not an right. expert again, oh, right. and then and then all of a sudden you you pound something, it says, whoa, this isn't good. Let's get rid of it. Gets rid of it, or it, you know, certain processes they'll use to burn that up, or yeah, you know, it just it seems to handle it much better. Or you just kind of rebound back to where you need to be sooner. You know, if your insulin levels drop and stay dropped, you're probably not going to store those excess calories as fat. And if you do, you're going to burn them right away. Well, okay. Take better care of yourself. Uh, we work in a really high pressure industry, I, I believe. I mean, you're, you're always, you're, you're a bookworm. You're always, you know, you, what we do during the day is backbreaking, but it doesn't build a heart rate up. And so we've got to figure out how to balance and have harmony in work and in and in family and in all the other responsibilities and then exercise and then eat right i mean god i get home at seven o'clock at night and the, the the plates in the oven and it's piled high because she knows i worked so long all day or he would you know uh, wherever you're getting your food and you, you intake it and and then you go to bed and it happens every day and over and over again and it takes a concerted effort. Like you have to be, you might have to not eat socially for a while. You might have to just kind of do it yourself. And it's going to, it's almost like its own workout that you, Matt, you can, you can go out socially and still eat right. I believe that I think what I'm talking about is like your attention. You, you have to pay attention of how much you're eating. You get to talking, you get to, you know, eat in front of the TV okay, I'm going to eat this much. And the next thing you know, you eat two or three times that. Or I'm just saying... You can still go out you, with friends and, and, and eat a protein dish or eat you know, eat a veggie thing with, you know, a very minimal dressing, what, whatever. You know, the, the old counting whatever, carbs, grams, numbers. I, th- I still think you can behave. Now, you brought up something huge about, and, you know, here we're, again, we're not professionals here, but eating after, you know, eating again after you ate, in front of the TV or something or snacking at night because you got that craving. To me, that could be the single worst thing that we all, it all hurts us. Yep. And where I was going more so, like you can make good food choices socially, but what happens when you're distracted, especially early on, or that you've been eating a certain way for a long time is you don't slow down and savor. And that's not really an American thing. Okay. And I'm not picking on you at all, but, no, but wine. I get it. I, I hear it. We just we just slam it down. Yeah, the wine. Uh, many other countries, they really they drink a lot less, but they drink it really slow and they savor it. It's all about flavor yeah. quality. I agree, and less about volume. And the U.S. is a lot about volume, just in general. And when you're eating socially or distracted, you know, in front of the computer, getting work done. The next thing you know, you've eaten more than you maybe would have normally. And I'm just saying for a while, I'm not I'm not trying to say you shouldn't eat socially, but to slow down and try to savor what you're eating. Like, you know, if you're going to eat a steak, slow down, but take your time eating it. You may find you won't finish it. Order the smaller portion, eat it slow, 
and I'll teach everyone how to drink wine because I am a <laughs> saver. Or I'm a, I, if I have my own bottle, my own, I, I love my big goblets. I drink cabs, so I, you know, I want a, a Bordeaux style glass. I want to spin it. I want to smell it, and I want to swish it around. And I, yep. and I want a long finish, and I want an oaky, you know, an oak. Eh, I'm sorry, I'm describing my wine habit here, but but you're right about the savoring part. Yeah, and it's hard to do because uh, a lot of stuff is in a rush. If you have a half an hour lunch break, uh, you're usually pounding that food. Uh, and in a case like that, then you have to be very regimented in that, this, you know, this bowl, this small plate, this is what I'm going to eat. This is all I need to eat. And if I slam it down, fine. I'm not going to eat again until the next meal or the next time period. Even if I'm hungry, I'm going to wait. Or if I'm that hungry, I'll slam a 12 ounce glass of water and then I'll wait. And usually what happens is you forget about it. You're not hungry anymore. Have you ever seen a two foot picture of the Baconator? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ann and I went to Wendy's the other day, hadn't been to Wendy's in years and it was convenient and it was we were rushed. So I pulled in and there's big posters inside there of the sandwich. I think they call it the Baconator. I believe that I'm right. And uh, I, I just couldn't believe with all the stuff gushing out of it. I mean, I I didn't look at the calorie board, which is nice that the restaurants do that, but it had to be four figures. It just had to be. Yeah, I, I bet it is. And the honest, honestly, the worst part of it for you probably was the bun. Yeah. That if you'd ate that without the bun, you're probably far better off. Yeah, um, I know there's some people that will say that that, the, that fatty meat, the bacon is bad for you, but geez, a lot of them old myths... They're they're crumbling. Yeah, yeah. You know, the saturated fat thing that well, seems like that was uh, yeah, the whole margarine thing. Uh, I grew up. I grew up back when, when I did. In my my grandfather had a problem. Well, they switched over to to margarine for years, and yep. now we hear wrong. Horrible idea. Hey, um, this is uh, for the records. Are usually supposed to be these really short little bursts of you know get it off your chest stuff, and uh, we're in the probably thirty minute mark here. So let me. I got let me a lot just, off my chest. You sure did, and let me tell our audience that uh, thank you for hanging in there with us and listening to Matt's perspective on diet and all this great stuff that he knows about it. Any final words to help the industry um, shed some weight? Well, I think this topic is more. Um, you know, long-term looking into the future for everyone, uh, techs, service advisors, shop owners alike, that uh, it benefits everybody to eat better. Even if you don't need to lose weight, just, you know, nutrition-wise, it helps across the board. Shop owners uh, enabling your employees and yourself, honestly, yourself to eat more healthy, uh, and thinking about it in a way that uh, th you may notice that the number of sick days used drops, that arguably productivity could go up higher, um, especially in a warmer climate. If you've got uh, you yourself are uh, overweight, and, you know, and I'm thinking overweight, but you know you've, you're carrying a lot of energy around you, that uh, your productivity will increase. I, I think it's good for everybody, and I, I just I sympathize with trying to sift through what to do. Like, okay, I want to lose weight. What diet should I go on? And honestly, what I've come to, and I'm probably going to have a lot of people disagree, but eliminating refined carbs, refined sugars, increase your water intake, teas, green tea would be great. Diversifying what you eat, uh, is, it's, it seems to be the way to go. This is Matt Fonslow for the record. 
Now go out and eat healthy.